Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 233, where we chat with Karen Ferrero and talk about what happens when life throws you a curveball. We have a two year old and an almost two and a half year old and a one year old. Um, and my husband's hospitalized for about five months. I have to sell my home. I have to buy a new home. I have to make the new home accessible. I have to find childcare. Um, I have to find someone to take my son to therapy still. Oh, and I, I have to keep working this whole time. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my capeless wonder co-host, Scott Trench. Oh, uh, thank you for the billowing introduction, Mindy. Always great to be here. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> Scott and I are here to do something. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting or what curveballs life throws at you along the way. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or set up a large trust fund for a dependent, perhaps a disabled family member. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Holy cow, Scott. Today's episode is so, so, so good. Karen started off life happy-go-lucky, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then life threw her a giant curveball, and then another one. And today's episode is about dealing with those financial curveballs and being able to weather those storms. Yeah, I think I think her story has a ton of different of these curveballs as as Mindy, Mindy alluded to or I guess stated directly uh in there um earlier. But yeah, I mean she, Karen Karen's been through a lot and her family's been through a lot and what I think you'll see out of this is hey, proper financial preparation can make things a lot easier and might have made things a little bit easier for her in some of those stages, but her overwhelming grit, competence, ability, you know, her, her career, all those things helped her get through a lot of those things. And I think set her family up for success. And so I think she's a really shining success story here and that there's a lot to learn from the way she did, uh, do a lot of the things, especially early in her career. Um, um, that, that I think um, we should all be cognizant of that, you know, because life life can happen to us. We we have a we have a choice right now while while things are good, if they are good for us, of course, at least assuming that um, to maybe make some preparations for those types of things down the road. And so I think it's a really powerful episode. I think you'll learn a lot. I certainly did, and I really really admire what she's done and what she's been through and, and, and how she's handled it. Yep. And her ability to look towards the future because she, she realizes that she does need to make some legacy plans and has taken steps to do that uh, fairly easily. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. I used to think working from home was the dream, until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then, I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens. Karen Ferrero, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I cannot wait to jump into your story today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, Mindy. So where does your journey with money begin? Yeah, I would say, you know, I grew up in a very small town, middle class uh, family, and neither of my parents went to college. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, it's interesting that my father became disabled uh, and my mom worked part time. And so I really saw the struggle uh, with my mom as a working woman and trying to, you know, support the family uh, while my father was disabled. And so that really made an impression upon me early in life that I I had to stand on my own two feet and be independent and support myself. So I think that was, that's kind of how things started with money for me. Okay. And you said you're the first one that went to college. What did your financial position look like graduating high school? And then what did it look like in college? Sure. Uh, I worked, we'll see, you know, my senior year in high school, I worked nights uh, at the Illinois State Police to support myself and try to, to get to college. I got grants and loans and scholarships. Um, my family didn't really have a, a college savings account for me. So I went the student loan route. Um, I worked several jobs all through school, and um, I was an engineering student, and I, I did start my career in tech, and my whole career has been in tech. 
um, which was lucrative and beneficial. So I was able to, you know, handle those student loans. Um, but I, I really did put myself through school through scholarships and loans and working. Awesome. And what kind of tech are we talking about? Were you a software engineer? Uh, I was electrical engineer and software engineer. I started my career as a software engineer and developer. Awesome. And so what, what was kind of your position um, upon graduation? Did you have any debt at all or were you, uh, what, what was, what, what was your job? How did things go? I did. And it's interesting because, um, I, I went to my father for advice. I was offered a job. I, I was, um, working as a software engineer while I was going to school and they offered me a job before I graduated. And, uh, my father's advice was take the money. It's good money. Take it. You can finish school later <laughs> because you're accumulating all this debt. Uh, so that's what I did. Um, I traveled a lot and, and wasn't able to stay in school. So I did drop out at that point in time. And, um, I didn't get my degree later when my employer paid for it. Um, and I, I, that afforded me the opportunity to pay down my student loans earlier. I think I had around 40 K, um, maybe a little bit less. Um, and yeah, I was able to pay that off early. So how, how do your, how does your early career progress? What, what are some of the big milestones following this? You know, you get your degree, you've got, you pay off your debt. Where are you at? Maybe five, 10, whatever, whatever point you want to. Yeah. My career progressed from a you know, software engineer through project and program management. And, uh, I was in corporate IT, uh, for the first several years of my career. And then I pivoted to consulting and I started consulting in the mid nineties with um, Netscape, little browser company. If y'all remember Netscape, um, I decided I wanted to work there and it was like the best time of my life. I absolutely loved it. And I had been in consulting really ever since, um, ever since then. And in my twenties and, and at this time in my career, I had no, I wasn't married. I had no kids. I traveled a lot and I spent a lot of money because I felt that the money was always there to be made. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I spent it on travel and handbags and shoes and all that silly stuff that you spend it on when you're in your twenties. Um, and you don't have any other responsibilities. So can you give us an idea of, of the income over this period and, you know, the amount you spent and whether you did any type of investing, maybe like 401k or stock options or those types of things? I did 401k. I did not max anything out. Um, I didn't even max to meet the matching, uh, because I wanted more money in my paycheck at that time. I just didn't, it's not something that I, I did. Um, I learned that a lot later in life. Um, unfortunately. Um, and I, I didn't invest. I started investing maybe in the late nineties. I opened up an E-Trade account. This was before I got married. Um, and I just dabbled here and there, but I didn't do the smart things like take advantage of, um, 401k or we had stock options. <laughs> so, uh, my stock options at Netscape, I held on to, and uh, AOL bought us, and they were worth nothing after that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, it took a while. It took a while before I really came around. I think I, you know, I read The Millionaire Next Door in the late 90s or around 2000, and that kind of started my shift, I guess you could say. 
But even then, I was still a spender. What was the, so at the point of the shift, what was your financial position like? Um, I was probably, if you include my mortgage, I was probably uh, negative net worth to the tune of 200K. And what was your income at this point? My income was around, I want to say 125. In the 90s? In two, about 2000. Wow. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. And, and what's the debt comprised of? The debt would be mortgage, uh, cars, let me think, mortgage and cars primarily, and credit card, a lot of credit card. And did you have any assets against that? No. I mean, 401k, uh, probably around 30k in my 401k. Okay. So, and, and, and how many years into your career are you at this point? Um, Eight. Eight, so you're you're approaching thirty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm about thirty. I'm about thirty years old. Okay. I hear her saying, "Oh, I made so many mistakes." I also hear you saying, "I have a thirty thousand dollar net worth at age 30. Scott, we have to remember we run with some pretty big money nerds. We don't run with real life circles. That's doing pretty good. With $30,000 in your 401k, I might have said net worth, I meant 401k, $30,000 in your 401k at age 30, you were, for the time, you were doing awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think, I'd, yeah. you know, if I could turn back the clock, I would have done things a lot better. Um, Holy cow, would I have done a whole lot of things differently if I could turn back the clock? If you know how to do that, let me know. Right, right. <laughs> and then, you know, in my 30s are th- when things really changed for me. I guess you could say. So what changes what and, and, and is it a event or a process after reading The Millionaire Next Door? Yeah. Well, you know, so the process began and I started I started thinking, here's what I need to do. I upped up my 401k to, you know, to, to get the maximum matching. I started getting more serious about paying myself first, all those little things. But it was very small. It wasn't a it wasn't a big shift. It was very, very small. Um and then my husband and I got married. I was 31 years old. Um, we got married in 2000. We immediately had kids, two kids, boom, boom. Um, and then my, I, I, did, I did a couple things and I was really saving for my kids, right? I did all the things that I thought I was, was supposed to do. And I'll, I'll talk about why those were mistakes later, but I opened up E-Trade accounts when they were infants and just invested in stocks and with, and they were universal gift to minor. They were um, minor accounts. That's important. Um, I opened up 529s because of course my kids are gonna go to college. And so this is the smart thing to do, right? I opened up 529s with College Illinois and I'll talk about why that was a mistake later as well. Um, when my older son was two, he was diagnosed with autism. Um, my husband was a union iron worker so he was pay- making pretty good money. And we decided at that time he would quit working to um, be the stay-at-home dad, drive my son to his therapies every day. And, and um, my younger son was six months old. So I had two, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Um, and so fast forward about five months, my husband um, was in a motorcycle accident and he broke his neck. And unfortunately he became paralyzed at that time. This is June of 2004. Mm. Okay, so he's 35, 36 years old. Um, again, we have a two-year-old and an almost two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and my husband's hospitalized for about five months. 
I have to sell my home. I have to buy a new home. I have to make the new home accessible. I have to find childcare. Um, I have to find someone to take my son to therapy still. Oh, and I, I have to keep working this whole time. Oh my gosh. So that sounds like your stress level was through the roof. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So you had to sell the house in a time that you weren't planning on selling it. I'm sure that that wasn't a great experience. Well, oh yeah, I should, this is important too. So when, when we decided my husband has been in the trades his whole entire life and we sat down and we talked about how we're going to make this work and that he would quit his job as an iron worker, but he was going to do like home remodeling and things on the side. So we got a, a home equity line of credit and he bought a work truck and all these tools and everything to do his side business a couple months before the accident. Oh my so gosh. Oh my I had a mortgage. I had, now I had our second mortgage or a home equity line of credit. And yes, so that. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a devastating turn of events, obviously for a whole bunch of reasons with this. So what, what, what is, I guess, your position at the, in the month, you know, following, you know, the five months in the hospital with that, what is, what, what, what is the, the, the state of affairs? So, you know, we sold the home at, the lo- at, a, at a loss because of just all the, the investment in his uh, remodeling business. We ho- sold the home at a loss. And then um, we, when we moved, we bought a house near, near our families because I knew we'd need support. But that house, it wasn't, it was being built, but not completely finished, but it wasn't fully accessible. So I had to spend additional money to make the home accessible, right, um, for a wheelchair and all of that. And um, so we were, it was pretty devastating financially because, as I said, I was a spender and we didn't have reserves. And uh, we took out the second line of credit on the home for his business. And we, it was, um, it was a really bad situation financially. Um, what I did at that time, over a period of time, um, I think some people, I don't know if they don't have the income or means how they would have got through that without filing for bankruptcy, quite honestly. I did not. Um, I went to a debt consolidation, and this took this was a couple years later, went to, uh, it was called Nova Debt at the time, it's now called Navicor, and consolidated all my medical bills, there were a lot, credit card, everything else, and worked out payment plans, and I paid that off, and um, I have perfect credit today, but I was able to avoid any kind of a bankruptcy situation. And um, what I've learned is there's forgiveness everywhere, and I think people have learned that, like with COVID. COVID has really like shined a light on, on forgiveness and hardship, but you, you just, you have to ask. You have to ask, and it's amazing how um, forgiving or flexible people can be if you know, if you just ask. Some people just don't know what's available, and they don't ask. So, well, well, let, let's let's walk through it. I mean, where where you, you've you've you, you have this two and a half and one year old, you you're you're coming out of a lot of hospital debt and that kind of stuff. How how do you manage? things in the interim and then afterwards do you have to hire someone to come in and and watch the kids while you work or you know how how does that work yes um i did i did hire someone to come into the house and watch the kids we put a a camera system in um i also hired a cab service and my brother-in-law and different people took turns taking my son my 
son with autism to his therapy sessions every day. Um, and we did have like people come into the home, like physical therapy and nursing staff and things probably for the first year that my husband was home after his accident. How much do you think it cost to, to run the household with all these things in that period? $30,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and what happens and, and does that all get in, get it formed in the, in, into debt that you have to then consolidate later? Is that, is that kind of what we're talking about with the Novacore? Yes. Mm-hmm. hundred percent that the medical, all the medical, all the credit card, it was kind of all rolled in together, which was nice. It was one payment for me, which is a load off my mind. Just, you know, mentally it made it easy to just have that one payment. Absolutely. And, and what is kind of the financial position following your, your husband's return back to home? Yes. Um, again, I had to liquidate the work truck and all of his, all of that kind of things. Um, really the focus was not on finances at all. The focus was on what is absolutely his capability. Um, you know, I was, I was worried about my son's progress um, with his autism and what his outcome is going to be, but also my husband. Um, it, it was, you know, nobody really knows until you get home and, and it, it, it was a long process process, but that first year was, you know, um, he had a lot of occupational therapy and learning to do things again. And I will say it, it did take time, but now, you know, fast forward all these years, it was several years later, he got his driver's license. He drives with hand controls. He does all the cooking and cleaning. Thank God, because I hate to clean the house and he does all that. And, he, you know, into the childcare, it took a while. Um, during that time, you know, I did outsource a lot of things and, and that, but the financial impact of that just accumulated over time. And I would say that, Scott, that was about three years, probably the first three years. And that makes perfect sense. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking these questions because we're, we're a finance podcast, but, like, but yeah, that's, that's the, that, that makes sense. And yeah, there's no, obviously there's like many more important things than, than that. And it sounds like for three years, you had to put them on hold to make sure that you could take care of your family and, and put, put the, all these pieces into place with the, with these kinds of things. Um, and it's, it does sound like though, that things began to gradually improve for your family members during that period of time. And that, the you know, it was a process, but there was some light at the end of the tunnel and, and folks gotten too much better, things got much better over that period. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, things are, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want him to be paralyzed, but I think he has, he's fully independent and we, you know, are functioning and yes, everything, everything is good. And, um, like I said, I, I put the, the E-Trade accounts and the 529s in place for the kids when they were babies. So that I didn't think about for a while. And uh, we did get insurance, life insurance and, and uh, disability insurance right when we were first had kids too. That was important because um, I'm, pro I'm probably overinsured, but um, insurance is never cheaper than when you're younger. And my husband now is not insurable. So that's, you know, um, that I guess was one, one lesson learned, you know, I can always get more insurance on myself, but he is not insurable. Um, did you have insurance on him? We did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did that pay for, it was small, no, <laughs> but the plan, I mean, so, so fast forward, um, you know, we, we got through, you know, kind of all the hard stuff he relearned you know, how to do the day-to-day -day things. He got his driver's license. 
And then we, you know, realized, okay, now we need to get our house in order again. We've neglected this. And we went, I turned to Nova Debt, which I said uh, is now Navicor. Did the debt consolidation. I paid that off early. Um, again, I've been very blessed to have a career in tech that, um, uh, you know, it, it's just been, I'm just so grateful. We had, had good medical insurance as well, which I, I don't know what we would have done without it. Um, that's, that's really important. You had a great paying job. You had great health insurance. I remember the 90s and the 2000s. I don't remember when HMOs fell out of favor because there's not a ton of those now anymore. But getting anything paid was a nightmare. So having good health insurance is really, really important for situations such as this. There's a lot of kind of skeezy outfits out there that that call themselves debt consolidation, but this one is a reputable company. How did you find them? Mindy, and that, that's why I wanted to mention it. Again, this was pre-COVID, if you remember. So I think since COVID, a lot of kind of shady, a lot of kind of shady organizations have popped up. Um, Novadet was around back then, and um, they have changed their name to, to Navicor. That's why I wanted to mention it because they've been around forever and they are truly legit. Um, you have to be you have to be careful because people are going to take advantage and there are a lot of scams out there, um, particularly since COVID, unfortunately. Yeah. So Navicor, we will include a link to that in our show notes, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash money show 233. And yeah, I definitely want to make sure that if you are listening and you need to do some debt consolidation, Make sure you're going with a reputable company. Scott, we should really look into how to vet that um, because there are some really shady operations out there. Yeah, like I, I have I have no opinion of Navicor coming into this this show or any of these consolidators uh, with that. So I'm just learning here and, and that would be a good thing to study. And if anybody knows an expert, let's get them on the show and we can talk about that as, a, as an option for folks. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, and I'm going to post this question in the Facebook group when this show comes out um, and just ask, you know, how do you vet a debt consolidation company? Because it's... Boy, there seems to be a lot of need for uh, oversight in that field, and it seems like there just isn't. For sure, for sure. Karen, you obviously can't plan for what happened to you and your family in this period of time. But if you could go back and give advice to yourself in that in that period, maybe when you're 30, 31, um, getting married and then thinking about starting the family, what what would you say? What, what, are there some things that you you know, knowing what you know now, you you might have been able to do or protect other folks' families, and if they're if in the event that the unfortunate happens and, and they have to go through something similar. Absolutely, and I'll say, you know, I just want to say, twenty six percent of adults in the U.S. are disabled or have some kind of a disability. So, and accidents happen all the time. So, at some point in your life as an adult, you probably are going to become disabled, or somebody in your family will, at least like short term disability. Um, I would say flexibility is key. So if I think back to what I did with, for my kids, and this is, you know, um, I opened up the E-Trade accounts and I opened them up as minor accounts. I would have um, changed them to trust. Now my older son does have a special needs trust. Um, my younger son does not, my stepson did not. What happened, 90% um, of the portfolio is Apple, purchased at a price of $4 in, the year 2002, 
So I I looked it up. So the gain the gain on that is about it's over thirty three thousand percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're um, doing okay. My younger son knows the time value of money, and he knows that he doesn't have to. Like, I don't want to work for the man, mom. I'm going to do my YouTube, and I'm just like, you are. But but my stepson, he knew, like, when he turned 21, he cashed that out. It's gone. Um, had I have this in a trust, we could have set that age at 25, 30, something else. You know, my younger son is a lot more mature. But um, so that, that was a mistake to put it in as a minor account. Um, the other mistake I made was a 529. Ooh, hold on. Before we jump into the 529, let's clarify again. The The mistake that you made was not putting it into a trust. You just put it into a minor account, which is in their name. So when they turn 21. 18, 21, they can just take all of it. Okay. Um, so how old is your oldest son? So my older son is your older son. He's 19. My younger son okay. is 18. Okay, so 19 and 18, and they have Apple from 2002. Yes. <laughs> from 2002 and 2003, a lot. And, and, sorry, did you say one of them is already cashed out, or you think that they're going to cash my, out? So my stepson, when I got married, my stepson was 10. I did the, We did the same thing for him. He cashed out. He turned 21. I think like that day, that money was gone. I bought a car, and just, I don't know. It's gone. Um, my younger, okay. my younger son, he has, we, he does a lot of individual stocks. He picks his own stocks. He has from a very young age. Um, he's really smart about it and he's not a spender at all. He has a lot of good habits. Um, my older son is 19. Like I said, he has autism. He, um, his, on the spectrum, he's lower functioning. So he just became potty trained at 18. He doesn't communicate well. He's verbal, but doesn't communicate well. And he probably will never be independent. So the 529s, again, when my when my son was a baby, you have no way of knowing what their outcomes are going to be, that he was going to have autism or whatever. Um, so I bought the 529s, and I went with College Illinois. We live in Illinois, but I did look at all the state plans. And College Illinois is a prepaid plan, meaning you pay for so many semesters. And you can pay for a semester at a state school or you can pay for a semester at a private college and you pay the price at that time. So in 2003, you're locked into that price. And then when your child graduates, you, you've paid for X semesters. Now, my older son is not gonna go to college ever. Um, that money can only be used for tuition, right? Or education expenses. And now my younger son sees his E-Trade account <laughs> and doesn't want to work for the man. I mean, he he doesn't he, he's going to junior college now just because he wants to run cross country, but he's not. I don't know. I mean, I've encouraged him to go to you know we can use it for a coding bootcamp. I am locked in now. Can I get that money out? They have ten years to use it. So he if he changes his mind in ten years and wants to go to a, a university, that money's there. I can transfer. My older sons to my younger, I can do those things. I can take it out. Only I, I can take out what I invested in it in two thousand three, which sucks. You know, what so I mean? not not that yeah. gain the whole time. See what I mean? So, you know, hindsight. I mean, of course, I thought my kids were going to go to college, and this was a great idea. But you, I could have invested that on my own. 
Mindy and Scott, and then so much further ahead. And my kids could have, you know, my son could buy a house with it, or he could go to college, or he could do, like, there's just so much more flexibility. I think, um, you know, in hindsight, the 529s are too. So what I'm hearing you say is what what you would have done is either put the money into a trust that you could have a lot more control over and invest the money on on your children's behalfs, or invest it yourself in some other type of plan or some other type of investment that then you could have used the equity um, or cash flow from that to, to then fund the educations or give to your, your children those types of things. Is that is that kind of? Yes, absolutely. No, that's, that's really interesting and in saying, hey, there's one outcome that I can do with this account can really pigeonhole a lot of things. Do you, you know, I think it, it, it sparks a thought about like HSAs, for example. Do they have a similar type of thing with that? Even though they're, you know, we've talked about them as such a powerful account. Is there a similar type of risk that you're running by having too much of your wealth in an HSA um, with that? Um, Ooh, that's a good no, question, Scott, because I know that it's only for medical expenses, but the definition of medical expenses is really broad. Like. Band-Aids are a medical expense and contact solution is a medical expense. So you can buy a lot of things with your HSA money. Um, it also grows tax-free. You can pull it out tax-free. And as you get older, you can still use it. I think when you get to 59 and a half, you can just pull it out for anything, right? Yeah. That's true. So mm-hmm. it's it's I think it's a little it's a lot less restrictive than the 529 plan, but I also had no idea that the 529 plan was so restrictive on the surface. It makes sense because you see college prices going up and up and up and you buy them, you know, like you said, when he's a baby and you don't know. Yeah. It does depend on your plan. So college Illinois, like I said, was prepaid. So you pay the price for a semester, either a private school or public school at that time. And, and that's what I did. So yes, they're transferable. I know this. Yes. I have 10 years and yes, I know I can take it out and just recoup the original investment from 20 years ago. Uh, I, I well, do know this, but... Better than nothing, but yeah, we're we're here to prevent people from making these same... And I mean, choices. regardless if my, my son wasn't disabled, I mean, there's nothing to say that he would have wanted to go to college either, you know? Yeah, right now my daughter, my older daughter wants to, and my younger daughter's like, nope, I'm not even going to work. And I'm like, that's not how financial... I thought she was going to retire from school. Yeah, well, she wants to. (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm financially independent, sweetheart. You're not. That's my money. (laughs) When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You're trying to save, trying to invest, but your bank account is stuck. How about we get rid of some of those unused subscriptions you forgot about? Trust me, with Rocket Money, it's easy. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. 
Take control over your subscriptions and cancel your unused ones with just a few taps. Create a custom budget, view spending habits, and let Rocket Money negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Let me ask you this, um, backing up as well, is there anything, you know, would would you have any advice around insurance or anything like that um, as well on, on, on those fronts going, you know, as you got married and had had your kids absolutely i we we did get insurance early and i would say there it's always going to be cheaper when you're younger the longer you wait the more expensive insurance is going to be um and i'm thankful we had the insurance that we had i wish we had more um but yes and i've used um i've used policy genius they're fantastic um Quote Wizard is good too. Quote Wizard, I think, is Lending Tree, but I've used Policy Genius and they do all the work for you and it's super, super easy um, to get additional policies for myself. With, with, as you know, since you have a, uh, one of your son, your, your older son has um, autism with that, how do you handle insurance today um, um, with his situation? I'm not sure I understand the question, how I, how I handle it. He, so we have guardianship well, of him. We have guardianship of him, and 
and he's covered through my employer benefits through the age of 26. And then what happens after 26? That's a very good question. Because if you have guardianship, I thought legal guardianship meant something different with regards to insurance. Although I only know enough to be dangerous. I don't know. It does. Um, and I, I should know this, but I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm not sure how much longer he can be covered given that um, we do have legal guardianship of him. I haven't looked into that yet, unfortunately. Okay. He'll get he'll get Social Security and um, Medicare as well at some point. Well, let's let's um go back to the. I think we were, we pick up the story around three to five years following your husband's accident, and um, you're beginning to consolidate your debt, and you know things are things are improving in the and in, in, in your household and all that kind of stuff. How, how does the story progress from there? The financial journey. Yeah. So that's when I really started doing all the things. The Novadet situation was um, humiliating, I guess you could say. Um, I'm a really private person and a lot of anxiety about coming on the on the podcast, but I think it's I I think it's an opportunity to help people. Um, Oh, yeah. Thank you. This has already, I think, been so helpful to a lot of people. I bet you a lot of people haven't thought about the possibility that something like what's happened to you guys could happen to them. There may be other folks that are experiencing parts of that. And I think this is going to be really valuable. So thank you so much and for, for coming on. Um, that's when behaviors really changed. Things really clicked. That's when I started maxing out the 401k, not just to the match, but just maxing out everything. That's when I really um, clamped down on the spending and took a look at, well, I started tracking, just tracking. It's like when you track your calories and you're like, oh crap, look at all of what I'm eating. How can I do that? Same thing with the spending. You know, you're tracking it and not really doing anything with it, just like tracking it. Oh, it's quite an eye opener. And that's when I, you know, things really changed around here in our household, I would say. Um, and again, super fortunate to work for great companies that I have like Cisco and Box and Microsoft. And um, I know I'm very fortunate. And, and so it was easier to dig out of that hole and kind of, you know, turn things around. So same same question I asked earlier, was this a process or an event that, that kind of changed things um, for, for your household? Was there an event that triggered it? How, how did that work or what was the change? Yeah, I think the, I think really the event was, um, I think a low was the, no, the Novadet and just, conceding that I need help. I can't, I just need help getting out of the situation. I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. Um, and it was a process after that, it was a process. And I think just seeing that, um, you know, it wasn't even like day over day or month over month, but year over year getting out of that hole and making progress, it, it just kind of incented you to do more, you know, and start listening to podcasts, reading more books, doing, doing all the things, leveraging the vehicles like the HSA, that all came over over time. It wasn't a single event. It, it was a learning process for me. And, and what, did, what did that look like for, for you? What, like, what you well, first of all, what year did you consolidate the debt? Uh, 2007, 2007 okay, and 2008. What, what, how would you kind of peg your, your net worth around that time? Probably negative 150K. Negative 150. And and that's when you consolidate, and that's and and from there, how do things kind of proceed over the next yeah couple of years until you know or, or what's kind of another milestone that you sure um, you know while I'm while we're paying off the no, Novadet, and I say me because my husband, if I pull out a spreadsheet or talk about finances, he's not 
he just glazes over. Um, as I'm get, as I'm like paying off the debt consolidation, we my husband's getting his driver's license. Now we need a, a vehicle with accessible with hand controls, which are like insanely expensive. And he needs a power wheelchair, which is insanely expensive. So we still have we still have to buy the things right that we need. So um, it, it was very very slow progress. And then um, once the Nova debt was paid off, and that took maybe two and a half, three years. Then that's when things kind of really, really kicked in. So the spending, as far as the um, the fun spending, right, the shopping and the trips, that stopped. But that was replaced with um, improvements to the home, accessible vehicles, power wheelchair, medical bills, right? So um, it it took probably a good ten years to really. Um, feel like now we're we're able to save. We're realizing we don't have any credit card debt. We don't have any car payments. So that's around 2015, 16, 17. Yes, I would say 20s, probably 2017. And and what's so what what how are things at 20 and 20? I mean, now we're skipping over large swaths of time, so we'll come back and and, and go over any of that. But how 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 do things look at that point? Is you know what what is the financial position around around that that milestone? Right. So debt consolidation is gone. We have the mortgage on the you know our our primary mortgage we have three car payments um and small credit card debt that's usually paid off every month and what what is kind of the what what was kind of the goal at that point did, did your financial goals or, or thought processes change at that point yes um they became like the goals then became uh, i guess more motivating because it wasn't just get out of this big debt hole but it's pay off my car pay off raise car so something more, I guess, uh, tangible that something you felt better about that then we could move into our asset column, if you will. So that was the plan. And, uh, and we did that probably once a year, we paid off each of the three cars that takes us to 2020. I think we paid off my car and maybe in 2019. So all the cars are paid off. Um, no, no credit card debt or very low credit card debt monthly um savings you know we have a nice solid savings um and again i'm maxing out 401k i'm over 50 so i get the uh the extra for the late bloomers that need to catch up <laughs> i'm doing that and so my so here here's the goal for me the goal and i'm a little obsessed about this now it's um you know, I have I have peers and I love them and they're and we're so fortunate and they're buying vacation homes and they're, you know, doing all this. My I'm working for my son because he's never gonna be independent and I want him to have a good quality of life. And unfortunately in this country, good care costs mm-hmm. a lot of money. And so I'm I'm that's what I'm working for. I'm not working for my retirement. I could retire today. Um I'm working so he has a good quality of life and he's well taken care of. And I don't know how much money that's going to take. So I'm a little obsessed well, about well, that. Well, I think I think that is an, an, an awesome goal. And I think that it's, it is tough that that's, that's the reality of that. But I think we can help a lot of people, I think, by going into that and saying, like, what are the uncertainties around that? What are some of the basic things that you've kind of discovered so far? You know, more is always better, but like, how, how do you begin to approach that problem of setting up 
finances for a dependent, um, like, like in your situation. I think that's a great topic if we can go into that and learn from you about what you're doing there. Yeah. So we set up the special needs trust. Um, and now any gifting that our families do, they should write, you know, instead of writing a check to my son, they write it to the trust. Um, he'll, he'll have an able account. And, and, yeah. And how does that, how does that work? Like, look, can we just go to very, very basics of that? Why, why, uh, why that particular instrument? How does that work? Why, what are the advantages there? And, and how do you, how, what, what, what are the, what comes with that? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not an expert, but it, there are um, tax benefits to having it in trust. Um, there's also, you know, how it's dispersed. And um, the, the big one is the taxes, right? And then it, it, it won't factor into his government benefits. So he's still will able, be able to get full government benefits and social security and all that. And they won't look at that as an asset that he has, like his asset. It's a trust. So it's, it's essentially a way to, it's, it's similar to, you can defer it or not pay taxes on it like a 401k. And then the disbursements, will they, will they, will those be income to your son in the future? I believe so. Yes. And they can only be, they're used for certain things. So I have an able account for his, um, like housing in that. And then this is used anything toward his care. So whether it be medical or clothing or any, anything that he needs for his care, um, will all come out of the trust. And is his trust comprised of the same Apple stock from 2002, or is that a separate E-Trade account for him? No, it's it's all the same. It's all together okay. now. And um, yes, and then there's also, we have a Discover, when the, if our family like gifts him anything, there's a, we, I have a high yield savings account that's a trust account and his special needs trust name that that's where that goes so i haven't I'm, I'm not touching and and to be clear none of this will none of this will i guess go into effect or un, until my husband and i pass away so we're care we're you know paying all of his financial care now of course but this is this is like legacy a legacy oh okay and and do you manage the investments in this i do again i i don't touch them but I made the investments, um, you know, 20 years ago. And like you said, I, I love tech. It's what I know. And so, you know, it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Microsoft, and and they did really well. And I didn't buy any for me, but I did for my kids, you know, for my boys. But yeah, it's just done extremely, extremely well. That's great. <laughs> did you buy Amazon way back then too? Yes, not, not as much. It was like, it was heavy Apple, PayPal eBay. Yeah. That's great. But no, my son, um, starting when he was about eight or nine, he started making his own investments and, um, and he was super smart. So he has the EpiPen. He's like, mom, who makes the EpiPens? Is that Merck or Pfizer? I think we need to invest in Merck or Pfizer. And, you know, as a, as a nine-year-old. And so he's picked, he's picked some pretty good stacks too, you know, like Roblox, you know, what the kids like, but I let him I let him pick his own stock. So that's brilliant on his part. What are some of the expenses that go along with that? That that you, like, how, what does good quality of life and and care look like um, for someone like your son? How, how do how do you go about thinking through that and the cost of that? Of course, um, right now our school district pays for um, you know his education and his therapists and his one on one aides and everything. So we won't have to worry about that till he turns twenty two. He will need 24 by seven 
care. Um, he will need like supervision, and um, that's going to be probably the largest largest expense. That in his housing, um, yeah, he he just needs a lot of therapy. So just that the day to day reinforcement of um, you know regular hygiene and how you clean up after yourself, and you know we cook with him a little bit, but it's not safe. You you know he'll. He'll never be able to be independent and be safe, I guess you could say. And how does one think through how much that might cost on an annual basis or something like that? Yeah, there's, uh, there's, you know, my... I know I'm asking tough questions. I, I, I've just wondered if these are, you know... Yes. Um, well, the, so the short answer is, and for the, you know, if you don't have means, I think there's also, there's always, you know, government programs. The problem with those are they're, I think they're overcrowded. I think they're not... Um, realistic as far as how many people in the future are going to need that kind of support. Um, and again, unfortunately, in this country, it, it's, you know, the level of care really equates to dollars. So I think, I, you know, we're looking into different states, you know, where where we could live and where the best quality um, of services are. It might not be in Illinois, probably not in Illinois. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just, it depends and it varies greatly. And so um, that's why I'm, I'm overinsured. And um, it, it's just, it's, I don't think you can estimate it, Scott. That's a tough one. No, abso- yeah. absolutely. For someone, thank, thank you for... For someone who's listening to this, where, you know, they might just be starting this journey. Where can they start looking? Where did you start looking? For what specifically, Mindy? For legacy care and, you know, the, because not everybody's going to be able to go back to 2002 and invest in Apple. This is very, very important. Um, I would say anybody who's going through any kind of a crossroads, please get professional advice and surround yourself with professional help. So never, never, never make a decision under stress or duress. Never, never. And my go-to people, my my family, um, great advice, you know, but they completely out of their element to help me. Um, you just, it's not a good outcome. Also for a trust situation, make sure you get someone who specializes specifically in trust, if it's special needs trust, specifically special needs trust. Do not go to your family attorney because they're not, um, you could get well-intended but misinformation, and it could really be harmful in the long run. You might not get the the asset protection that you that you think you're getting if it's not set up properly. So, who besides a a, 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 a family? It sounds like a family attorney who specializes in special needs. Is that is that how I would describe this person, or how would you articulate this the professional you need? Right, someone who who is expert in setting up special needs trust. And would that be a a lawyer it or would be an a attorney. CPA? No, it would be an attorney. Okay. For sure it would be an attorney. Um, you might also, so you might also um, have a financial advisor that also focuses on legacy gifting and special needs or um, estate planning. And that could partner with, but I would say beyond just a typical estate planning attorney, um, a special needs trust attorney is best. If you don't know where to turn for that, you can. Uh, if you have a local chapter of the Autism Society of uh, the Autism Society of America, every state has a chapter. 
you can contact them for resources or Easter seals. And they have uh, resources and references they can pass on to you. This, this is phen- phenomenal advice. Thank you. I think a lot of people are like going to be overwhelmed about even even where to begin looking for those recommendations with that. But that's a really good place, I think, to start um, um, that that search there. And I think it's great advice. Like these are all huge, high stakes decisions, and you've got to be able to know not only do I want access here, here, or here, but also which type of trust and how to set that up for um, for my dependent on that. Yeah. Yeah, I did a quick Google search and just special needs trust and a bunch of things came up. So it looks like there is a lot of information online. Um, If you find yourself in this position, you know, I think that's great advice. Never make a decision under stress or duress and talk to people who can help you make a smart decision, you know, and talk to, I will say that, you know, there's attorneys vary in level of competency and level of communication skills. So talk to a couple, if you talk to someone and they make you feel bad or you don't like the way they communicate, find somebody else, get somebody that you think is going to represent your interests well. How, how about this for another, another, I know we're throwing a lot of tough questions your way, so thank you um, for all this, <laughs> but how do you, how do you make the balance, the decision between like where and when and the art of how much to contribute for personal retirement versus um, in, into, into your son's trust with these things? Like how, how did you handle that and how, what would you think? How do you think a framework for other people thinking about that might be? Yeah. So um, my son's trust currently what is funded there right now. And, and normally a trust isn't funded until after death. This is, this is important. Um, ours is just because he had, he had the C-Trade account. And so um, we converted it from a minor account to a trust account. That's the only reason there's assets in it. But typically you wouldn't have assets in a trust account until after death, my understanding. Um, so I invested that 20 years ago, Scott, and let it ride. I never touched it. Never. Um, and then I just max out my 401k for my retirement. Um, but again, I'm just going to keep working as long as I can and I'm letting that ride too. And I think that eventually I will use that, but I just max it out. I'll use that for retirement whenever I get around to retiring and then my life insurance will further fund my son's trust. I see. So, so you're not even, you're really thinking about it differently. You're just saying, I'm going to maximize my personal net worth as much as I can. Um, and that will, that will go into the, the trust and, and that, and that's really the, the essence of the strategy. So that actually makes it very simple in some ways around, around the, the approach there. Yeah. Okay. So that wasn't a tough question, uh, no, but thank you. I, I wasn't aware of that, um, that context. No worries. Um, awesome. Well, what what else do you think we should be asking you about or that might be some important topics to touch on? Let's see. Um, I think, well, I think for somebody just starting, um, you know, I, I took a while to get started with, with investing. I, I did pick single stocks myself and I got pretty lucky. But, um, you know, I know we talk about, you know, when you invest and the fee for fee advisors and things like that. I would say, you know, start out like you know take baby steps and incrementally get better so i go with an an edward jones or somebody that's going to have for fee and let them put everything in place then you can transition everything away and and manage things yourself it's okay to get started but just get started um i would say i i it took me a while and was later in life and again i'm fortunate that i was able to turn things around but um i wish i had started things sooner i guess I know you, you, you hear that all the time. I wish I invested sooner. I wish I maxed out my 401k sooner. 
you, that time, you can't get it back. That's so powerful. You can't get that time back. I'm going to quote that. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think that that's, that's the deal is time and compound, compounding and rate of return and how much, how much you put in, how early you do it. And then the, just the flexibility, just having the control and flexibility. Not, you know, um, most people aren't going to find themselves in a situation where they have, you know, in my situation, it's quite rare, but um, everybody's going to face sooner or later some kind of a, a hurdle, an obstacle. And uh, I just think that flexibility is key. Hey, Karen, what is your job right now? Yeah, I am a, uh, a technical director at Microsoft. I have a team of technical specialists report to me in state and local government, and they focus on teams and intelligence. So that's oh. where I'm at now. Well, thank you. Um, uh, but that's, yeah, it sounds like an awesome career, and, and it sounds like you're doing very well on the, on the career front with all that kind of stuff, and obviously you've been very successful there. Um, well, let's move on to the famous four. If, if we're if we're feeling good about a lot of these things, um, we ready for that? I'm ready. Okay, Karen, what is your favorite finance book? Okay, so my favorite—I I don't know—it's my favorite. The first one I started with, I think I mentioned Millionaire Next Door. That's kind of when things started clicking, and that was maybe in the year 2000. But one I love that's recent is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I love that book and I call it a finance book because really it's, it's like the art of negotiation. It's negotiating so your life depends on it and how to negotiate like the price of, a, of buying a car. And I, was, and I think it's just fantastic. So that's my new favorite, I guess. Yeah, we actually had Chris uh, Voss on the, sh the Bigger Pockets real estate show um, back in the day. I know this because I was the guest interviewee on that one. So I'll find the, the episode number here in a second here. But what was your biggest money mistake? Uh, overspending, overspending and not, and not maxing out my 401ks earlier. That's boring, but, but that's, that's the answer. Yeah. There's, we hear that a lot. Uh, Scott, that was episode 260 of the Bigger Pockets real estate podcast. Oh, thank you. The Chris Voss episode. Um, Karen, what is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out? Yeah. Think about the flexibility. Like I said, don't get locked into something that um, is too restrictive, like a 529 or like a minor account where you um, just, it's too constraining. Think about that flexibility and how you can control your money. Love it. Yeah, you're making a lifetime decision that is impacting your life and somebody else's with, with those types of things. You got to have control or and be don't, with that. And don't make it under severe stress or duress. Get advisors. Mm -hmm to help you with those big decisions because um, sometimes can be overwhelming. What is your favorite joke to tell at parties? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. This one might be a little dated. And uh, it's like, why didn't the Terminator upgrade to Windows 10? Well, I asked him, he said, I still love Vista, baby. <laughs> that's fantastic my husband was uh microsoft certified for something for a long time so <laughs> I, know all those, I know all those jokes oh, that's, that's an awesome i haven't joke, heard yeah. that one though that's awesome okay karen do you have anything that you want to promote where can people find out more about you Okay, um, my website, karenferrero.com. 
I'm at Twitter at Karen Ferrero and LinkedIn at Karen Ferrero. And um, anybody who is going through a tough situation or wants some advice, either, you know, career advice, getting into tech or um, going through some kind of a hard time, I am completely open and you can contact me directly. Awesome. We'll link to those in the show notes here. Yeah, that's... At biggerpockets.com slash money show 233. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a very generous offer. Thank you, Karen. Um, this was this was really, really good. This was so helpful. I know there are people listening who are contemplating balancing out financial independence with known medical expenses or known expenses outside of the little phi bubble. And I think you've given people a lot of things to think about. I certainly learned a lot. And I'm sure you will hear me re re referring to this episode in future episodes. Oh, you should listen to Karen Ferrero episode 233 because she talks about special needs trusts and that's I didn't even know that was something that existed. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. This was really, really great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that was Karen Ferrero. And holy cow, does she have an awesome story. I want to highlight the one thing she said. Um, she said, if we didn't have the means to do this, I would have had to declare bankruptcy. And unfortunately, in America, where our in health insurance is tied to our job, if you don't have really great health insurance and you have this big old curveball coming at you, you could be medically bankrupt, uh, medical bill bankrupt. And I mean, her husband's medical bills, easily in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Her son's medical bills also easily in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to be able to weather this storm, this is why you strive to be financially independent. So things like this, curveballs like this, don't just completely derail your entire life forever. Yeah. No, I think financial independence, even if if the worst happens and you're not, you know, you have life throws you a couple of curveballs that are going to set you back significantly. It's better to have that, to have the assets and the income from what would have been financial independence to help weather those storms than to not have them. So financial independence, in addition to being a great end goal that can make your life really, really wonderful in a lot of ways, it also is in itself a big insurance, uh, a big, a big insurance fund. So it's worth pursuing for a number right, of reasons. Exactly. I, I, you know what? I'm going to highlight that Scott, it's worth pursuing for a number of reasons. It isn't just so you can quit your job. It's so that you don't have to always be focused on money. You can open up your mind and think about other things. Absolutely. Okay. Scott, we ran a little bit long today, so should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 233 of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Indy Jensen saying, put on your cape and escape, ape.
There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.